0: Sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. Happy New Year and welcome to season two here at the back of the range. I am still your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 54. I hope that everyone had a great 2018 and that you're looking forward to an even better 2019. Around here, we're going to rattle off more weekly episodes for you. College coaches, USGA champs, former PGA Tour pros, those are just some of the people that we have already on tap. And you never know, you might see a couple guests make a return for a follow up episode this season. Several of you have actually reached out with some names of people that you think would make a great guest. This is highly encouraged. Seriously. I don't know where all the great stories lie, so if you know someone that would be a good guest, let me know. We'll make it happen. If you're new to The Back of the Range and don't know how to get in touch, well, all of the links are available in the show notes of this podcast. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's all there. The website? We got one of those two. It's thebackoftherange.com. Uh, let's see merch okay so we have our logo caddy golf towels that have made a return they are in stock we're gonna sell them this year Um, two for 25 bucks the reason we're doing that we want to get the name and the logo and the back of the range golf podcast out in front of as many people as possible so again it's two for 25 bucks you keep one give the other one away it's a way to support the podcast and truthfully that money goes into well buying more golf towels so Support the podcast, get a towel, not a bad trade-off. Finally, before we get to this week's guest, thank you so much for listening and enjoying the Back of the Range in Season 1. Keep sharing these episodes, leave comments, leave reviews in Apple Podcasts. It's all greatly appreciated. This week's guest is Marty Hackle. Marty was the fashion director for Golf Digest for about 15 years, where he was responsible for making sure players, teachers, and cover subjects were dressed in a fashionable and on-trend manner. You've probably seen him on the Golf Channel or NBC. He's been around the industry for quite some time. He started his career in fashion in the 70s, that's the 1970s, and is still a consultant, and he has his finger on the pulse of what's hot and actually what's not in golf fashion. Our conversation focused on a lot of the old trends, and whether or not they're going to come back, what it's like to try and convince a guy like Butch Harmon or Jack Nicholas that, you know, maybe those trousers are a bad idea, or yes, that you actually can pull off wearing a lavender cashmere sweater. Marty exudes passion and energy, and clearly, fashion is something he cares deeply about. So let's kick off season two in style, our first episode of 2019. We welcome Marty Hackle to the back of the range. Marty, how are you, sir?
1: Couldn't be better, Ben. Couldn't be better.
0: Well, I'm thrilled that you're taking the time to join us here. You know this this episode is <clears throat> like several episodes is recorded over the phone. Unfortunately, our travel budget uh, isn't uh, isn't as what it should be. I couldn't get up to New York to see you, but uh, in your honor, I have decided to dress up a little bit for this episode today. So I went to the closet. I got my uh, my best. 1998, you know, circa 1998, Ashworth full cotton golf shirt with the big, massive sleeves. I'm talking like VJ, Hal Sutton style shirt here. Tucked it into a fresh pair of cargo shorts. I got black shoes on and big white calf socks. Are you okay? Did I just put you into a coma with that?
1: Uh, no, I've done a little research before we started to talk, Ben. Oh no. I took a I took a look at some of the images of you. Oh no. In your M AM- in your amateur career.
0: Oh my God, a guest research me? I don't Oh, this is fantastic. Go ahead. And
1: I, and this afternoon, Home Depot will be delivering a mirror to your house <laughs> because I'm positive you don't have one. What?
0: Marty, Marty, <laughs> listen, listen. Do you know how hard it is to find size 14 pink Foot
1: Joy shoes? I mean, ah. Uh.
0: So, so, as a
1: matter of fact, Ben, oh no. I have a friend who has just started an internet sock company, and it's socks by size. Really? So if you're a size, yeah, seriously now. Okay. If you're a size fourteen shoe, you can go to this. I think it's Kane Eleven is the uh, is the name of the company. Okay, we're gonna and,
0: we're gonna get that. We're gonna get
1: that. Yeah check this out and you can go there and you can get size 14 socks and they're great colors and they're a lot of fun. And you know what? They're going to fit you perfectly.
0: We're going to look into that and we're going to put that link in the show notes of the episode or the show notes of this episode of the podcast. Yeah. I'm still just a little bit knocked off my game here. So I, I dress like shit. Is that what you're saying? Mr. Style, Marty Hackle. I don't, I I dress bad. Is that what you're saying? No, no,
1: no. What I'm saying is I think you sometimes get confused about thinking that if you wear something that's a little more roomy, that's a little bit larger, okay. you'll have more freedom to swing. We know your golf credentials are solid Ben. Okay. so we're not questioning your ability to play. Okay. What we're, what we're saying is you could perhaps even enjoy playing more by wearing clothes that fit you properly. You know, people say to me all the time, listen, I, you know, I wear this size because it gives me more freedom to swing. And I go, excuse me, but didn't I watch the summer Olympics and don't I watch those sprinters and don't they wear like compression stuff? Yeah. And if they wanted more freedom for their legs to move, wouldn't they wear oversized running shorts
0: i I can't argue argue with that
1: what am what am i missing here you know tiger woods is a perfect example of this
0: yeah well i and i'm glad you brought tiger up because this is actually the first episode i'm recording post the match tiger against phil so i figure that's a perfect segue into tiger's Um, you know, late 90s, early 2000s attire versus what he's wearing now. And then if you're able to tackle what the hell Phil's doing with these, you mentioned Home Depot, let's go with his Office Depot button-down shirt thing he's doing. So, yeah, give me your thoughts on where Tiger's at. Give me your thoughts on where Phil's at, just briefly, about what the hell they're wearing now.
1: At least Tiger now is consistent, And, and, and I'll give him this. The guy's in phenomenal shape and you have to underscore that for someone his age so here's an old this is not some 21 year old you know athlete this is someone who has a big long history and he's he's physically he's a great athlete yes he is now he wears what's comfortable to him in terms of familiar so he loves the You know, that black pants, red shirt is his sort of Sunday go-to, automatic, and he wears clothes now that fit him properly. In the beginning, when he first started playing as an amateur, and, and I know his dad has passed away, so I say this with the greatest amount of deference. But his father wouldn't let Tiger buy a shirt. He would give him all of his old golf shirts. So Tiger started wearing Earl's extra large golf shirts. So naturally, when he first started playing, that was what he was familiar with. Really? So when he came out on tour, yeah, he wore extra. He wore like a a shirt that was three sizes too big because that was familiar. That's what he was used to wearing. He used to wear these big pleated pants for the same reason. He thought his thighs were too big and it would make him look weird.
0: So so not to so let me just hop in just to clarify for people listening. So what you're saying is because Tiger wore his father's old golf shirts that were too big for him, then he comes on, on the scene, you know, winning the three straight USAMs from 94 to 96, wins the Masters 97. Obviously, Nike is right there as he turns pro. Are you saying that Nike Golf's clothing line with its oversized shirts and that whole kind of trend started because, in a sense, Tiger Woods liked baggy shirts and pants?
1: Well, in a sense, I'm saying that, but I want to clarify that sure. a little bit, Ben. Sure. Nike didn't introduce oversized golf shirts. To the contrary, they made a pretty standard classical size. Tiger just selected the size that was too big for him. Got it. Always because he, that was comfortable in his mind. That was familiar in his mind. And God lover Amy Reynolds, who's who for years, you know, has has been. The coordinator at Nike helping Tiger sort of put it all together, you know, kudos to her because over the years, he's now started to wear clothes that fit him properly.
0: Sure. So maybe Tiger picking a size too big, not Nike, so to speak, but Tiger making that and people assuming that's the fashion, maybe that's what contributed to everyone wearing those baggy shirts back then.
1: Oh, absolutely. And don't forget, Tiger's presence, Tiger's, um, you know, sort of personality was such that people really didn't tell him what to wear. Of course. He sort of said, hey, this is what I'm comfortable wearing. Yeah. And people deferred to him, you know, understandably. Of course. So, you know, I mean, he still is. I got to match my shoes to my belt, to my hat. Yeah. Now I happen to think that's a bad mistake because that's why we end up with this, this horrible white belt syndrome. Oh, you know,
0: We're going to get into, we're going to, we're going to devote a lot of this, <laughs> some of this episode to the white belt. Um, I wanted to, you know, before we get too far down into a bunch of the other players you've been around on the PGA Tour and your career in golf, so you started in fashion, you've been in fashion your entire life, but can you tell me a little bit about when you started playing golf and then also how specifically did your fashion career transition into more of a golf fashion career?
1: Yeah, you know, and I'm sort of a, I've been playing golf now for 25 years now. Okay, I'm 75 years old, so I started pretty late in life. Sure. And I started late in life, Ben, because when I was growing up and I saw people playing golf, they were smoking and drinking. Playing golf, to me, that wasn't a sport. That was a hobby. You know, if you could do stuff like that, I wanted to play a sport where you could break your leg, where you could bleed where well, you could suffer because I equated that with sport. Now, you know, fast forward to 25, 30 years ago when I finally figured out that all of my friends on Saturdays, that's what they did. They played golf. Sure. And I wanted to hang out with my friends. So I decided, heck, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to learn this game if I want to be with my friends. Yep. So that's why I started playing, and you know it doesn't take long that if you have even a drop of ability as soon as you par the first hole in your golfing career that's it yep. it's over yeah and 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 since then, you know I've been you know I love golf now my career has always been. In fashion, I worked at Neiman Marcus for a long time. I played tennis the whole time. I lived in Dallas and worked at Neiman's. And it wasn't until I came to New York, until I started running Alexander Julian, which was a fashion company, a fashion company that made men's sportswear, a fashion company that made really cool, colorful knit, shirts and we said wait a second these would be perfect on the golf course and suddenly i started playing golf and i put two and two together and i started looking at what golfers were wearing and lo and behold um i discovered that there weren't a lot of fashion people that were terribly involved in golf So it was kind of became kind of a sort of a niche career for me. Sure. And I started advising companies. Some companies came to me, Dunhill, and and said, what should we do and how do we approach it? And lo and behold, I had myself, you know, a little consulting business. And that grew and grew and grew. And, And suddenly one day, Golf Digest said, Hey, you know, maybe there's a place for fashion and style in golf. Of course. And, and suddenly I became, quote, unquote, the fashion director. And in the beginning, 20 years ago, people were looking at me and going, huh? Right. Fashion director? Yeah. What the heck is this?
0: Well it's it's so fascinating because I, I even remember when I started playing golf, you know, uh, gosh, you know, 25 30 years ago, if I went to go, you know, if if mom and dad take you to, know, oh we got to go get you some golf clothes, you just go to the sporting goods store or you just go to whatever department store and just, you know, find something, but now you have websites like Trendy Golf, you have um, you know, PJ Superstore and, and all these these golf-related stores that have so many more options out there, uh, it's really completely changed. Before I get too far down that, so you mentioned Golf Digest being a fashion director. So were you at, like, when they do a photo shoot, when they do a, um, you know, if they're giving a lesson uh, article and they show a PGA Tour player, an LPGA Tour player in, uh, in a swing. Now, are, were you responsible for making sure they were wearing the appropriate clothes or talking to their brand. Can you walk us through exactly what kind of responsibilities were?
1: Sure. My main responsibility was to make every single photo shoot that we did at Golf Digest, every single time we did a photo shoot, was to make the subject, help the subject look as good as they could look. So whether it was a cover or an instruction article or a series with David Ledbetter or a Butch Harmon, I would go and put together from Butch's Closet or David's Closet the best outfits that they had to make them look as good as they could look and coordinate that, go to the shoot. Help them change clothes, put them in the best stuff that I could, and make them look as good as they could look. And we had a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> now, imagine. you know, Butch was, you know, had a lot of sponsors, so he had to wear certain brands. He wore FootJoy clothing. So I would coordinate with FootJoy and pick out the best stuff. Now. You know, me telling Butch what to wear is a little bit of a reach. It would be like I would suggest in the beginning, right. hey, I think this might be a good combination. And I think over the years, I, I started to trust Butch. Butch started to trust me. And because we were both trying to achieve the exact same thing. Right, right. And, you know, he had his House of Fleming belts that he loved. He had his Rolex watches that he that he wore with great pride and he had all of his logo shirts so he had his own look and um, and we had great fun doing this and and I would look forward to going out to you know Las Vegas or wherever he was living at the time and and help him put it together and and we built a relationship and over the years from doing this for so long, not only with instructors, but also with players, eventually, you know, it became a sort of a familiarity It became sort of a trust. Sure. People started to realize, Hey, I'm only there to help them look as good as they can look now. Take Phil Mickelson, okay. who is, is, and I say this with the greatest amount of respect and love, Phil's the world's authority on everything. Yes, he is. So if I would go to a photo shoot with Phil, Phil would be telling me, okay, you know what? If I wear all black, it'll make me look smaller. It'll make me look uh, trimmer. It'll make me look, uh, you know, more like an athlete uh phil diets make you look more like an athlete <laughs> clothes don't
0: please tell okay? me please tell me you said that to phil mickelson
1: uh, oh absolutely oh god call him up and ask him and we would have a <laughs> you good laugh about it. somewhere
0: uh that that's a that's awesome uh that that's awesome well it's funny because you say you know you give this great description of what your responsibility was i'm here to make you look better and just by the way, you told you shared that story with Phil and with Butch Harmon. Doesn't sound like it's it's as easy. It's not as easy as it sounds. I mean, who who has been in your time with Golf Digest? Give me an idea about who has been one of the toughest, and give me an idea about who's been one of the easiest to work with.
1: Well, I would say one of the toughest for interesting reason. Right? Not, is, not a, uh, yeah.
0: Just just as like you know to, to kind of gain their yeah. trust, not a negative on yeah. their, their personality. Yeah. Good.
1: Yeah, Nick Faldo. Really? Yeah, and I'll tell you why. Because Faldo, I started working with him late in his career. So he already had formed all of these great relationships with people. So, you know, it wasn't like I was going to say, hey, uh, Nick, this is the suit you should wear. He would say to me, hey, you know, I wear M. and Gildo Zenya, and I'll wear anything as long as it's Zenya. Yeah. So. You know, I mean, he had his own very specific ideas about what he, Jack Nicholas, by the way. Oh, here we go. Jack is is a one-off. I mean, and everyone knows that. But no one really, uh, no one dresses Jack. Jack dresses himself. Now, I think Barbara had a huge influence on Jack. And she gave him certain rules of the road. And one of the rules of the road that she gave him was pattern, solid, pattern, solid. So Jack knew if he was going to wear a pattern pair of trousers, he had to wear a solid color shirt. Sure. Or vice versa. So that was pretty good advice from Barbara. Yep. But Jack, you know, had... Sort of his own opinions about what he thought fit him and 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 what he was comfortable doing. He you know he he was a creature of habit and um, and 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 great fun to work with. I mean, as long as you agreed with him. <laughs> well, you know, it's like yeah. it's like Pete Cowan. You know, Pete Cowan I is sure, the, I, I the sure great do. teacher in Europe. Yep. Pete Cowan said to me the other week. He said, "You know what." I'll wear anything as long as it's black.
0: Well, that kind of narrows it down, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. And that was his rule of thumb. Give me any color you want as long as it's black. Mm-hmm. Well, so. you have these
0: guys that are and women that are just so competitive and, you know, they're not, you know, they're not baseball, football, basketball players where they have a uniform. They get to make their own uniform and... They also make their own golf swing, they make their own decisions on the course, so it's natural that they would be coming to these conclusions where hey, I I am going to have full control over over what I wear. Um so who is one of your favorite people to work with?
1: Well, <laughs> I love working with Fowler. I think Fowler is great to work Ricky
0: with. Ricky Fowler. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, we got to get into Ricky cuz it's it's I I think that's one of the more fascinating players from a fashion sense where anything he does is you know a a front page story whether it's his high tops or his even his damn mustache or anytime he cuts his hair or anything he does
1: so when did you first meet Ricky Fowler oh I think at Tory Pines I think he was still at Oklahoma State I think he was still wearing those big oversized orange pants uh-huh. on On Sunday, that's a long time ago. That's a very long time ago. And, you know, this is a person that has style. No matter what he does, he has style. He he, he has an inner sense of sort of having fun and not being bashful. About wearing what he's comfortable wearing, and yeah, okay, at the beginning, it was a little too much orange it was it was a little too much head to toe orange right. which is which is sort of an acquired taste and and look at him today, I mean, sure, he'll have a touch of orange on there, but he puts himself together with the greatest amount of confidence, and he's not trying to dress like. Hey, everyone, dress like me. So when he's wearing those jogger pants, he's wearing them because he's having fun wearing them. You know, and, and, and I think that's great. Now, everyone can't, can't wear that look. Um, but he certainly can wear it. Same thing with the high tops. I mean, why not? What was he doing? He's probably watching football or or watching something where suddenly you see a bunch of athletes, you know, that are going to the high tops. So he went to the high tops and, you know, I think that's fun.
0: No, I, I, I think it is too. I think it's just very fascinating where he is one of those players on tour that no matter what he does, it gets people's attention and then they start Trying to dress like it. I mean, the kids that are wearing the the flat billed hats and the the. I mean, Puma must be just thrilled with what he's been able to do for for their
1: fashion line. Oh my gosh, he has almost single handedly put Puma Golf on the map and and made a huge contribution to Puma the brand. Yeah, and you know when you when you think back, remember. That, that those were, there were two dosler brothers. There was Adi who, who became Adidas, not Adidas, by the way. Of course. It's Adidas. So it was Adi and his brother started Puma. So, you know, that's how Puma and Adidas sort of evolved. And, and, and I think Puma owes a lot um, you know, to, to, to Ricky and to Ricky's confidence and, and Ricky's sense of style. Yeah. So good for him. So I,
0: I I have a question for you now, a lot of times when you get on the golf course, us amateurs, we go out and play and and someone looks at you, maybe you're wearing something funny or it's a little bit of a daring reach. And, you know, sometimes the, the, uh, the, the phrase is like, well, you know, if, if you play good enough, you can wear whatever you want. Or um, someone says you're not good enough to wear that or, or something like that. You know, most amateurs aren't very, you know, we're, we're not You know, single-digit handicappers. We're not like the guys on the PGA Tour. So how do the average amateur, how do they add style to their golf fashion and not worry so much about being a good enough player to pull it off?
1: Well, I think two things. Number one, I think if you try to wear what is the appropriate fit for your body type. And that doesn't mean you have to take this to an extreme. Right. But I think if you wear the correct fit, you're way ahead of the game, number one. Number two, you got to keep it simple. Try not to overthink it. If you're a larger person, then try to keep your color palette very simple. So if you're a big guy and you don't want to feel like you're wearing oversized stuff, wear essentially everything that's the same color. Wear a pair of khaki shorts and wear a, a beige or even a white shirt. And wear like a light brown belt. And now you have no contrast between your shorts, your belt, and your shirt. And you're going to look appropriate. So if you keep it simple, if you wear what fits you properly, then, you know, you're way ahead of the game. If you have to stand in front of the mirror, Ben, for longer than 10 seconds and look at what you're wearing, just go change. Okay. Don't. Yeah. If you're looking too long, just go change because there's some doubt there. And, you know, sometimes the way people, their personalities come across, you can tell that just from people's cadence, just from the way people carry themselves, how confident they are, you know, how comfortable they are within their own skin. Sure. Mm -hmm. So so keep it simple.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, this is this is really good stuff. Um so the most recent I, I kind of jotted down some recent fashion trends in the game of golf for the last 20 years. I wanted to get your thoughts yeah. on you know where you know maybe your thoughts on them, maybe you had experiences with them with some of the PGA pros. So, all right, so let's shoot one at you. Let's go with um well, you mentioned it earlier. Let's go with those white solid belts. Give me your thought on white belts.
1: Rule of 36. If you're over 36 years old, if your waist is over 36 inches, do not wear a white belt ever. Uh, Wear a white belt with white shorts or white pants. Good rule of thumb. The challenge with wearing a white belt is if you're wearing something that has a lot of contrast uh, navy pair of pants and navy shirt uh if you're wearing anything that has contrast a, a white belt calls attention to your waist well if you're if you've got a big waist you know i'm not sure you want to call attention to it
0: yeah that's a good point uh, so
1: let it blend in and and rather than wear a white belt match your belt to your shorts or your trousers or even your shirt have less contrast that's a great rule of thumb to people that are of a larger size
0: who is the guy on the pga tour or maybe a lady on the lpga tour that you kind of had to tap on the shoulder and talk to them about their white white belt issues
1: we don't have enough time in your broadcast <laughs> because I would say, uh, almost anyone that's in, what do we call it now? The champions tour. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, I, I,
0: yeah. I know that's a, I know that's a, that's a, that's a spot of bother for you. Uh, I know that, I know you want to get your hands on some of these champions tour guys.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to have a sit down with Bernard Longer. Ben, yes. how is it that he can wear Congo pockets on his beautiful Bogner pants? No one ever says to him, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Bernard, you can't wear those.
0: I think he's because uh, I, I think he's because because he's a cash machine and just is the number one player. And I, and I I don't know how old he is now, I think he's at least 60 or 61. That, that's a very good point. He does dress a little bit, um, it's a little outside the norm um,
1: yeah well you know he's he's he marches once again he marches to his own drummer of course he's, he's a marble obviously he's a great golfer yeah and take nothing away from him there he wears a pair of Adidas shoes that Adidas' has stopped making 10 years ago but <laughs> nice. he loves those shoes so Adidas keeps making those shoes. Just for him. Now they're probably going to kill me for saying that. We can cut that out.
0: Don't you worry about that. You know,
1: just no. You just watch on TV, and you'll see he's wearing, you know, a great classic pair of Adidas golf shoes. I mean, try to go into your local store and buy those. Forget it. You can't. You can't even find them on eBay.
0: Oh man. Uh,
1: You know, but.
0: Hey. Yeah. He's been pretty successful. Oh, he's a cash machine. Um what about let's see. I remember around the time even Ricky did this and, and most notably I just I, I I think of Anthony Kim. Talk to me about the big belt buckle fashion uh trend that we had there for a couple years.
1: Yeah. Uh Greg Norman to me was the guy that sort of started this with like they kind of got confused between uh sort of that rodeo belt buckle, yeah. that half roper belt buckle, uh that western filigreed sort of, you know, special buckle. I think Greg Norman wore it. Remember they used to wear it and had like a metal tip on yeah. the end of it? Well, yeah, no Steve Elkington was probably the, the the perfect guy for wearing the classic sort of Houston, Texas uh belt, you know, a, a buckle that, that just had the greatest amount of style. And and you know what happened was companies like House of Fleming became hugely successful. I would say 80% of those fabulous belts that you see Phil wearing, that you see Butch Harmon wearing, uh, Dustin Johnson, that's all House of Fleming. Those are those exotic alligator crocodile skins with wonderful sterling silver buckles. I mean, and the reason why belts became so popular is that was one of the few things that professional players had the ability of selecting their own favorites that they were sort of advised, okay, this is my sponsor. These are the shirts. These are the trousers. These are the things I have to wear. These are the logos I have to wear. And the only thing they, they ever really had any control over was their belt.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Uh, And maybe a little bit of control over their socks, but, but certainly over their belts. Uh, so belts became a form of expression.
0: What about those big buckles that Anthony Kim was rocking um, back when he was on the PGA Tour? What do you think about how did that whole thing
1: start? Did you ever talk to him about that? Oh, yeah. Well, actually, you know he, you know, he was a very generous guy. He used to go to House of Fleming, and not only would he buy belts for himself, he would buy belts for all of his friends. Very generous guy. Once again, here's a kid who grew up in, what, Oklahoma, Texas? Like uh, California, actually. Yeah, and then he went um, to Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, and then he went, exactly. But, I mean, that was, that was one of his ways of expressing himself. He used to wear a huge watch, yeah. too. He, he wore Audemars Piguet watches. I mean, he did everything in a, quote, big style. And uh, I kind of miss not having him out on tour. I think a lot of us do. He was a character. He marched to his own drummer. I mean, good for him.
0: Yeah, no, I loved uh, I loved him on tour. I loved that uh, that that Ryder Cup at Valhalla where he just completely destroyed Garcia and then forgot the fact that he won. He was running off the green to the next tee box, and Garcia was like, "You can come back over here and shake my hand. We're done now." So um, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Was, was So great. he
1: wore those big belt buckles because he could. He could. He he could make a statement with it. Rory Sabatini took a page out of yeah, his book.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: Yeah, yes, yeah, Sabo. So one of the
0: things that I find kind of interesting is is I am not a, I'm not in that millennial uh, age bracket. I don't even know if we're supposed to use that word anymore. But I'm not in that age bracket. But I see kind of on social media and on Instagram, people. It looks like some of golf fashion has become more casual. A lot of people with their shirts untucked on golf courses, looking more very casual, very unassuming where, Hey, I just ended up on a golf course and, and I'm just wearing what I, what I had on. Um, are you a fan of that? Do you have any thoughts on where you think fashion is going or where it's been the last couple of years? Let's
1: let, 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 let's roll the clock back a little bit to Phil playing that practice round with tiger at Augusta yeah. and showing up with, uh, a full button, uh, knit, shirt. Now, what happened was film has made an investment in this company called Mizen and Main. Yep. And, you know, being an investor, I think he wanted to support the brand and give them some visibility. So he he pulled a Mizzen and Main shirt out. Wasn't the right size for him. But, you know, he wanted to make that statement. So he he put this this shirt on that all of a sudden. I mean, he showed up on the first day. I remember a Tiger looks at him and goes, "Really?" <laughs> and
0: they are just a perfect and, odd couple. They're so yeah, perfect yeah. together.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. And Phil's had a great time with it. He's had a lot of fun with it. Now eventually, Miz and May will make a size that will make Phil look good. Sure, I'm positive of that. But uh, kudos for him for um, having some fun with it and having enough guts to go and do it. So trend-wise, I see people being more comfortable on the golf course. But I think we, we've we started to accept the fact that business attire does not require you to wear a necktie. Uh, we now see people... Wearing um, shirts, you know, outside of their trousers. So Untuck It has become a huge brand. Yeah, it has. They even have stores. They have a great website. Excuse me. Lots of people are wearing shirts like that. Eventually, that is going to find its way on the golf course. We used to think that the only people that didn't tuck their golf shirts in were people that had a size 46 waist.
0: Right, right.
1: Now, it's become more of a sort of a fashion sort of statement, a style statement, if you will, and people are going around untucked, and it doesn't look unusual.
0: Yeah. You know, I just thought of something uh, that I wanted to throw in, uh, you know, one of the big things with the Ryder Cup and with the President's Cup is the uniforms. I know recently uh, it's been done by uh, by RLX, you know, Polo Ralph Lauren, especially since, you know, Davis. Whoa, 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 Ben. ben, oh, I'm, sorry. ben. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to separate okay, that. Say yeah. after me. Yep.
1: Lauren, like Lauren McCall. Oh,
0: oh, okay. Lauren. My
1: fault. It's, my fault. It's, it's Ralph Lauren. Ralph Lauren. Or RLX. Ralph Lauren has oh, been boy. doing the U.S. Ryder Cup uniforms for a couple of Ryder Cups now. Okay. Let and me, yeah.
0: I feel like I just hit one. I just hit a fashion. Uh, I just got a two stroke penalty in fashion and, uh, and, and you called me on it. So that I appreciate you sending me straight. So. Yeah.
1: No, no, that's good. So, you know, they've, I, I think they've done a fantastic job. Because, one, they've been consistent. Two, I mean, you've got to go with a red, white, and blue color palette. You're not going to go with anything else. And and I think the uniforms look terrific. Yeah, okay, I don't need the USA printed on the bottom of the trousers. I think that maybe goes a little too far. But look at the cool stuff that they've done. They did that quarter zip Camo yeah. shirt that was actually a course map. Yeah. I mean, take a close look at that At that quarter zip. I mean, it was really cool. It was trendy because it was camo. It was a course map. So it was sort of creative. And uh, I think Ryder Cup uniforms are really um, a great opportunity. Uh, for brands to really make sort of a statement. And I think everything that the U S Ryder cup team has worn over the past couple of Ryder cups has the, the Ralph Lauren has the RLX DNA all over it. So you don't need to see a logo. In fact, you'll notice you never see a logo on uh, any of the uniforms?
0: You don't. But what's really smart is that the USA is in the same font and style as the Rlx. So when you look at the USA, if you're if you, it kind of brings your brain back towards. Oh, that looks like Rlx.
1: Yeah, good observation, Ben. Now let's talk about the European team because the European team in the last Ryder Cup, all of their wardrobe was designed and produced by a wonderful Italian company called Laura Piana. And it's a wonderful fashion brand. Now, a lot of people said to me, oh, boy, that, that orange color was just awful. Well, that orange color is really the corporate color for Laura Piana. If you'll go to a Laura Piana store... And buy something, they'll give you a shopping bag with that same color. If you look at the floor, you'll notice that the carpet has got that same color. So Laura Piana using that color was merely sort of showcasing yeah, their move. brand. Yeah, it was an it was a wonderful business move, very subtle. And boy, the the clothes that the European team wore were brilliant i mean we're beautifully yeah. made we're beautifully put together now a little bit more subtle perhaps um than previous uniforms i mean darren clark was really the one that started the europeans thinking very style very fashion yeah um you know he brought that because darren clark is in my top 10 of guys that have style that play on, uh, on the tour. I mean, he's, he's one of them. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, when you mentioned Darren Clark, I'm thinking to myself, dear God, when they give Poulter the team and he's going to be the captain, wow, what the hell are they going to be wearing that year?
1: There, you know what? I'll tell you what, Ben. They're going to look terrific. Oh, of course they will. But it,
0: but but you know they're going to have a li- they're going to have a little bit of palter at some point. I mean, whether it's going to be a um, uh, uh, there's going to be some tartan there somewhere. You know, that there's got to yeah. be a little bit.
1: Uh, yeah. You know my my sort of observation is people generally dress to their personality. Ian dresses to his personality. Yeah. He's just you know that's just part of his DNA. See, he's being perfectly consistent. It's always been sort of a disappointment to me that the Ian Poulter uh, line wasn't more successful yeah, yeah. in the United States. It's always been successful in Europe and in the UK. And you know what's interesting is when we think of plaid pants and we think of Ian Poulter in plaid pants, you know, he always wore the same pattern. All he did was change the color combination. Yeah. So it was the Prince of Wales plaid or tartan, if you will. And he would just change the colorations. And gosh, I mean, who had more fun, you know, wearing stuff that that had some great style? I mean, and and Poulter's, Poulter's like that. It's the same way with his automobiles. He's got an incredibly cool collection of cars. And that's one of the things that he loves. And you know, 20 years ago, Ian Poulter was sleeping in a tent. <laughs> yeah. In back of someone's home at the Open Championship with two other assistant pros. Because they they couldn't, between the three of them, come up with enough money for a motel room. So look at how far he's come in his career.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: I mean, it's, it's my, I tip my hat to someone like that. He's, he's really built that himself. And, uh, and, and he's another one of my top 10, for style
0: makers. Give me me some more real quick about your top 10. We got Pulse. We got Clark in there. Um, Let's see.
1: Graham Uh, McDowell,
0: G-Mac.
1: Okay. Always looks looks great. You could catch him in his restaurant. He'll look fine. Yeah. So, you know, G-Mac, tons of style. Fowler, tons of style. Um, John Daly. uh, John Daly and... (laughs) Let's see, John Daly, isn't that a match made in heaven?
0: Oh, gosh, it's uh, John Daly and Loudmouth. I think, yeah. yeah, I
1: think Loudmouth, and you know that Woody, the guy that started Loudmouth, you know, he started this, he started selling pants, from shorts, from the back of his car. Woody was a graphic designer. He wasn't a clothing designer, and he did some fun shorts. And people started to like him, and pretty soon, he was selling tons of stuff out of his trunk. Oh, yeah. And it's become a big business. And you know what? I think it's perfect for John Daly to wear stuff like that. Absolutely. So, you know, a marriage made in heaven. Loudmouth golf, John Daly. Luke Donald, great style. Morgan Hoffman, wearing Grayson. I mean, fantastic. Now, Charlie Schaefer, the the, the gentleman who really st- who the, the founder of Grayson, uh, worked for many many years at Ralph Lauren and really learned his craft and his trade there. And Grayson now today, you know, I mean, their their collection is fabulous.
0: They're doing and, good. They uh, picked up uh, Kelly Craft, and I think they Kelly
1: Craft looks great all the time. Yep. So he's, he, Kelly Craft is on that list yep. of stylish guys. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And then you got to, obviously, uh, you, you know, Adam Scott's probably got to be pretty close to the top of the list. Well,
1: yeah. Adam Scott could wear anything. Adam Scott is a real, I mean, he's just, he's got style. Yeah. he's just, He's got that D and carries himself He's a handsome guy. He's in great shape. You know, you could go out and buy, Uh, the Uniglo clothes that Adam Scott wears with a hundred dollar bill. You could buy the shorts, the pants, the belt, the shirt, the socks, and get change change. Yeah. So it, you don't have to break the bank to look good. And he's, you know, he's the perfect example of that. Um, and he's a lovely guy too. Lovely guy. One of my favorite people that I've ever had the opportunity to work with is Adam Scott.
0: Yeah, that's got to be a dream for you. What, um, we talked about this earlier just through, um, before we started recording this episode, but you're such a, a noticed or noticeable and recognized figure. And I'd imagine you're walking through the airport and people stop you all the time. What's one of the Can you think of maybe one funny interaction you've had with with a golf fan that recognized you in the airport?
1: Oh, yeah. The other week, uh, I was walking through the airport in Portland, Oregon, and it was 1130 at night. I was taking a late, late flight back to New York. I had been spending a couple of days with my friends at Seamus, you know, the people that do these wonderful yeah. Yeah. yeah, head covers and these wonderful hand forged, you know, ball markers.
0: Right, right. And right.
1: it was eleven thirty at night, and I'm walking down in the terminal in Portland, which is the cool airport, by the way. And 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 someone's walking towards me and they go, Hey, are you going to the 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 fashion weekend at Durrell? Um uh, to talk about golf this weekend and I went gee no I'm not but thanks for stopping and saying hello <laughs> I mean people uh oftentimes have that you know you're walking in the airport and you can see someone and they give you that look like they know who you I yeah, 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 they- yeah, I know I, I I'm I'm not sure where but but I think I've seen you or I know you I get a ton not a ton of people occasionally once in a while someone walks by me and goes, "Hey man, I love what you do on the Golf Channel." And uh, you know, I'm obviously I'm flattered and and I try to, you know, certainly thank people and and, and everyone everyone has a good time with that and 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 I'm of course very flattered that anyone outside of my family recognizes me. It's fun.
0: Sure uh we have a couple questions here at the at the tail end of all of our episodes just a quick bucket at the back of the range i just want to ask you a couple of these questions you've been so great with your time i just want to run these past you see what your thoughts are we kind of ask these uh, to just about everyone but i have a couple that are tailored just for you so let me ask you this question first of all what is your handicap what are you playing to right now marty uh, 8.9 is my index there you go solid single digit okay so let's throw this one at you would you rather oh boy this is going to test you would you rather be able to wear whatever you want keep your sense of style on the golf course or would you rather win your club championship three consecutive years but you have to wear plain khakis and a plain blue shirt all the time when you're playing.
1: Okay. If, if you gave me the choice of wearing uh, anything that I'm comfortable in or wearing uh, oversized khaki shorts with big pleats, a big, big white belt and a red shirt. That's two sizes too big. Uh, I'll give up the club championship. I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather wear what I'm comfortable wearing and 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 play my normal game. Uh,
0: Tiger won the Masters in. Um, I'm sorry, Jack Nicholas won the Masters in 1986 at the age of 46. Compare that to a potential fifth green jacket for Tiger Woods. Which victory would be the more substantial?
1: Well, right now. The 86 championship uh, will always be a standalone, marvelous achievement. And I hope that Tiger wins a fifth green jacket. Um, But Jack's 86 will always be um, a very, very special event, just as Tiger's fifth green jacket will be a very special event.
0: So Marty, we, we've talked about the do's and don'ts in, in golf, uh, fashion, whether some of the pros wear clothes that fit great, that don't fit great. But let me ask you, can you think of one situation where, a, where a golfer took a potentially bad fashion situation and turned it completely upside down and made it into something great?
1: Payne Stewart taking the sleeves off of that uh, rain jacket, uh, Payne Stewart had as much style as anyone that's ever played golf in um, whether it was those NFL uniforms yeah,
0: yeah, that he right. looked
1: that he that was signature to him or whether it was his taking the sleeves off of that um, that um, that rain jacket yep I mean he made it look like a you know. Like a million bucks. I mean, he made it. He made it look natural, um, because his personality was was larger than life. He was a really unique person, and he had great fun putting himself together. And guess what? When he would go to the go to Chuck E. Cheese's or something with jeans on, no one would even know who he was.
0: Yep. Yep, you're 100% right.
1: You know, so, I mean, he, he, it was a um, wonderful, nothing, and it's not that he was trying to wear a disguise, but, um, I mean, he just, he had his own unique style and he pulled it off. Yes. He, he looked great.
0: Yep, he definitely did. Well, Marty, uh, you know, just, talk about having unique style you definitely have your unique style and it's just been fascinating to talk to you and get your thoughts on on the world of golf fashion i feel like we could have filled this up with uh with three hours worth of, of i i really appreciate the time enjoy the holidays and thanks for uh, thanks for joining me today
1: well my pleasure ben my pleasure and listen do me a favor yes, sir. turn the light on when you get dressed <laughs>
0: I I will do so. I will definitely do so. (laughs) And there you have it. Our first episode of 2019, season two, kicked off in style. Thanks so much to Marty Hackle. Really appreciate him joining us this week. Remember, leave reviews in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Go check out thebackoftherange.com. Buy a damn towel. Get one for yourself. Get one for a friend. We will see you next week here at The Back of the Range.